According to Tom Rainer, 6% of churches in America are effective in evangelism. Let's change the statistic. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, Happy New Year and welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm well, Kelly. Thanks. How was Christmas? It was uh, short-lived, but very good. All right. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, we have we have a, a great present for everybody today. We have a yep. conversation with Pastor Kevin Gerald of Champion Center in Seattle, Washington, and amazing pastor, amazing leader, pastor mm-hmm. to pastors. And this conversation is about his new book, uh, that is called Naked and Unafraid, yep. and it's about vulnerability and the importance of vulnerability in ministry and in, in particular with leadership. So let me ask you a question. Sure. So as a leader, uh, how, do you ever wrestle with vulnerability? I mean, how to be vulnerable? I mean, vulnerability is important as yes. a leader. We yep. need to do that in order for people to trust us. But do you ever wrestle with how much is too much? and Like how much do you let out? Yeah, how much do you really, yeah, how vulnerable should you be and you know, how far is too far? I think, uh, I think I'd be a droid if I didn't struggle with this. Um, but I think every leader goes to the phase where you end up getting in front of people and you want to inspire, but at the same time you bleed out a little bit. And I think as a leader, you wear many hats and just knowing which hat to wear in front of which audience is really, really important. Yeah, that's so true. And it's, it is always this fine line um, about vulnerability. It seems to be a conversation that's happening all over the place. Everywhere, yeah. uh, just listen to a podcast with with Pastor Stephen Furtick, and he was mm-hmm. talking about it. I mean, you listened to that one, and, and there's something that stood out to you. And so good. Yeah, what, what stood out to you in that conversation? When he talked about, um, you know, showing people your scars, but communicating it from a point where that scar's already been healed rather than it still being an open wound. Right. So, I mean, he says, don't, don't communicate vulnerability when it's still a wound. Yeah. Wait till it's healed and it's a scar and and then you can talk about it. Yes. I think that is really wise and and good. And this mm-hmm. conversation today with with Pastor Kevin is um, amazing. He's written this book about vulnerability and he dives into it in in levels that I've never thought about and it's yeah. fascinating, but it's also fascinating for us and on GoCast because the impact that vulnerability has as a pastor right. and leading a church that is soul winning and our ability to to win souls uh, effectively in a church is really based on being open and vulnerable. Absolutely. People can't trust you. And if people don't see that, hey, we struggle too, mm-hmm. um, they're not necessarily going to follow. So fascinating conversation. Can't wait to get to it. Uh, here's my conversation with Pastor Kevin Gerald of Champion Center in Seattle. Well, hey, Pastor Kevins, welcome to GoCast. So great to see you. Thank you very much. Great to be with you today. Awesome. So uh, for our listeners, uh, the three that might not know who you are, let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's give a little background on you. You grew up in a ministry home. Your dad was a pastor. When did, when did you feel the call of God on your life to become a pastor as well? Yeah, I grew up, my dad was a pastor in St. Louis, Missouri, in the yep. Midwest. Yep. And, uh, I probably around the age of 16 or so is when I really started leaning into the uh, the calling that I felt on my life. I didn't really know what that meant completely, as most young people don't. Um, but it was very definitive in terms of time and moments and so forth. Um, 
in my bed at night, just hearing God talk to me. And those were those were the conversations that I ended up having with my dad. Right. Um, was a great help to me. That's really cool. So I, you grew up in in St. Louis, and and access to anywhere in America to pastor, um, access in, including I mean closer to the south than anywhere. But yet, you felt called to pastor in the Pacific Northwest. Now the South is the Bible Belt. Churches grow big there. Pacific Northwest is much like Canada. It's very liberal. It's a secular society. Churches tend to struggle and grow there, yet you have broken all the odds and had tremendous success. You've you've grown a mega church despite all the odds against you. So tell us about that. What's worked for you and how were you able to break through? Well, I thank you for all of that. I I think probably just the whole idea that uh, when I came to the Northwest, I didn't come with all of that um, awareness of what was going to happen. I, of course, had faith and confidence, but honestly, uh, Pastor Kelly, I was I was just like really uh, sensing and feeling that I wanted to, you know, I just wanted to make a difference in this part of the country. Right. And I guess the challenge of it all um, did, did capture my heart. The idea that I, I always say, you know, I come from a part of the country where a whole lot of heathens live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that's really, I feel, I always tease when I'm speaking and stuff in the South that, you know, people are born saved. It feels like in Texas or yeah. other parts of, of the country, but up here, it's definitely a challenge and it's unique and different. Um, and as far as breakthrough, how we've been able to get where we are, at least, uh, I, I think it's mainly because uh, we came in here realizing that we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how to do it. And we became very open to uh, learning and understanding what, you know, what might be uh, essential or necessary to right. being able to communicate and connect with this, this world up here. Um, and so that openness along, you know, kind of marrying that up with our own experience, my wife and I growing up in pastor's home, kind of marrying the two of those up, being true to who we were, but being real, you know, really open about changing our methods of communication mm. and considering how we say what we say. Um, some of those things were, I think, really helpful to us being able to get the listening ear of people in this part of the country right. and received as well as we have. Well, I know, I know you're very, very intentional about the verbiage that you use in, in all parts of your, your service. I've, I've seen that you spoke a, a while back in our church and when it came to the salvation call uh, and at the end of your message, I really appreciated the verbiage that you used to deliver the gospel and that you use statements like this is your new beginning and boldly lift your hands now. So talk to us about, the salvation call and the intentionality you use uh, to deliver it. Yeah, that again, that was formed with just a simple uh, awareness that I'm talking to people who um, wouldn't really relate to or understand if I just use the 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 normal Christianese sort of uh, phrases. So by asking myself years ago, I started asking myself, how do I describe this in a way that people can understand? Yeah. 
And now I hear what's really rewarding is I hear pastors around the country using some of that verbiage now. Uh, but back then it wasn't, I almost felt a little bit, am I betraying, you know, the faith? <laughs> am I, am I, the way I'm saying things not acceptable? But when we started to do it and getting the kinds of responses that I was getting, I just knew we were on the right track. Yeah. So we, you know, we invite people. We, I just say to people, if you want a new beginning in your life and your relationship with God, that's, that's how I phrase it. Yeah. If you want a new beginning in your life and your relationship with God, and then I say what I want to say from there, just in terms of, it does, you know, it could, could be a, uh, a mom and a dad in the room today. It could be a young person. could be somebody who's been to church before. Maybe or maybe you don't relate to what I'm saying, but but at the end of the day, if you just want a new beginning in your life and your relationship with God, I'm going to ask you if you would to pray this prayer. Pray it out loud. Pray it from your heart. Be bold about it. And then after I pray, and I'll do this. I'll mix it up. I, I won't do it exactly the same. Um, you know, in this part of it, sometimes I will invite people to pray first, and then after we pray, boldly raise your hand. If you just prayed that prayer, boldly raise your hand. Other times I'll do the opposite. I'll say, raise your hand around the room if you would, and then we're going to pray a prayer together. Right. So that part of it can change, but that's basically the format. I always want to end it with a celebration um, and clap and just applaud what has happened and the decision that you made in this moment and just how real it is and let them know that we're going to follow this moment up with some instructions for you and uh, tell you what your next step is. That's good. I mean, that's very choice uh, verbiage to use. Th- that is is key, right? New beginnings. You know, boldly raise your hand. I mean, that is that is something that I think is challenging. That that everyone could use easily for all of us to insert into our salvation care. Now, you do the salvation call every single service, regardless of what you preach. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I even do it. Uh, I mean, people. This past weekend. I talked a lot about giving because this weekend we're going to have our annual offering that we receive right. once a year in our church. It's our it's our one biggest offering, you know, uh, of the year. And um, people are really surprised because on those days I still lean in to moments where I invite people to salvation yeah. and we see people give their heart to the Lord at those big days. Even a day where I talk about money, talk about giving, talk about things that you would think, you know, would turn people off or turn people away. Um, but we've seen the opposite. We've seen people respond on those days uh, when they're invited and have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, that's that's really good. I I know one of our biggest salvation calls or response to salvation call ever was on a on a Sunday that we talked about money, and like, it surprised me because I thought, man, I don't know if anyone's gonna is gonna yeah, raise their right. hand here or give their heart to Jesus here, and then and then they they went all over the room, and I I was shocked. I remember thinking. Yeah, you know, I'm on stage and I'm thinking to myself, I was like, you realize this is going to cost you 10% and you still want in. <laughs> this must be the real deal. Here. It must be the real deal. <laughs> yeah. But it's amazing. Regardless of what you teach, I mean, I think it's, it's vital. People are looking for the hope that is Jesus and it's vital to give them an opportunity to receive the gospel. So I, I love that. Uh, so how, how many salvations or, or baptisms did Champion Center have in the, in the last year? I got a, I got a, uh, some numbers here. Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. So 
in the last 12 months before October, basically, we had had 1,184 salvations. Wow. And on, um, and since October, we've actually had another 180. So probably somewhere about, you know, 1,400. So in good. The last, in the last year, salvation decisions. And when we say that, we're not even just talking about hand raised. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about names and people who actually, uh, so it could be more than that, but we count based on what, you know, a real person that we actually know would fill out a card and say, this is my day, new beginning in my life. So, right. That's somebody that you can follow up with because you've got their information and because it's about making disciples, not just converts. Yeah, exactly. And then somewhere between, uh, 300, depending on how you count, 300, 350 baptisms. Wow. That is so good. That's an exciting to say. And I know that, you know, many people think, again, a Pacific Northwest, this is not, you know, hey, this is not going to work. We're not going to see this kind of thing. But to see those kind of salvations in, in a year is is amazing. And I mean, the gospel works. So that's it's exciting. Now, I'm really excited because you have just written a brand new book that's about to drop. It's called Naked and Unafraid. Unafraid. So, tell us about it. What what's what's uh, what are you excited about? Well, actually, I have laying in, on the table in front of me. I've got a copy. So good. Uh, this this is called the uh, what do they call it? Advanced reader copy. Yeah. I think so. I, I I don't know. They sent me forty or fifty. My publisher just sent us uh, a few of these, but um, that's the title of it right there. Naked and unafraid and it's five keys to abandon smallness overcome criticism and be all that you are meant to be so good uh, so it it's a book about vulnerability and it's a bit of a departure from really my past books uh if you have ever uh if the viewers today or the listeners today have ever um you know read any of my stuff this one's it's different and and I'm I'm excited about it. Uh, I feel I feel like I'm stepping into a space that I wish someone would have helped me with a long time ago um, by mm. bringing it up. And I, I think that the whole idea of vulnerability uh, is something that there's a whole lot of conversation that and beneficial conversation that we could. Uh, learn from yeah. if, if we're willing to go there and yep. discuss it and talk about it that could make our lives better our relationships better uh, make us better believers better christians better soul winners um, all the way around so yeah I'm, I'm excited thank you for bringing it up and talking, talking well if our if our listeners ha have not read anything that you've written or haven't heard you teach I, I mean in my opinion in my humble opinion and i'm not just saying this uh in in front of you i'm just saying this for the purpose of our listeners but you are one of your your one of your greatest gifts is your ability to communicate and you're one of in my opinion one of the best communicators uh, that the big C church has in the world. So if someone hasn't read what you've written, they need to, I mean, you're amazing at your ability to, to get across. So I'm really excited about you taking on this topic. Cause I think it is, it's, it's, yeah, it needs to be addressed. And I think it's so important in today's society because I, I, let's just talk about vulnerability for a moment. What role does vulnerability play for instance, in a soul winning church? I mean, do you think it's going to help a church more effectively, you know, reach the lost? 
Uh, absolutely. I, I think one of the things that people, one of the issues people have in coming to Christ is that they feel like that people who come to Christ put on an image of being perfect or not having any flaws, not having any weaknesses, not having any challenges. And they often feel like either they feel like, boy, those are not honest people, they're not being truthful, or they feel the opposite. They feel like, boy, I could never measure up to that. Right. Like I never, that could never be me. Those people have something I don't have. And so I I think it absolutely eliminates barriers uh, that people have towards not only salvation and being a Christ follower, but also acclimating into the community of the church. I just think a lot of people, um, once you start sharing your stories and once you start sharing some of the real life things and that you face, um, I, I literally have people that they they don't remember, you know, a lot of what I say, but they remember a story that I tell, and right. especially if it's my story, especially if it's something I'm sharing. Um, I, I have a story that I shared. I remember it's been probably three or four years ago, and I was just talking about discouragement, and uh, I told about myself writing in my journal uh, after 20 years of pastoring one morning when I was really discouraged. And I, I just kind of told it in, you know, in real time as far as what it was like that morning for me. And when I woke up and the sun was coming up and made my way to my office and um, I never journal except for when I'm discouraged. <laughs> so just told a little bit yeah. of that in real time. And, I, and people still to this day, uh, for whatever reason, like they, they'll bring that up. And I, I tell stories like that uh, about myself quite often, maybe more than ever now. But um, I just found that when you are honest about your own struggles, your own challenge, your own battles that you go through, and you do it in a way that I want to I want to caution everyone because uh, in the book I actually you know talk about the fact that you're not supposed to get naked in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. And so I I think I, what I mean by that is I think that there is uh, there's levels of vulnerability um, depending on who you're with and the timing and so forth. And so there's layers to every story. Yeah. And, you know, when so a lot of people, when we start talking about this topic, would you know just be like, "Wow, you know," and just go for the whole gusto, of, <laughs> of assuming that we would be as transparent with everyone at the same level, which is not really what we're describing when we talk about vulnerability. Um, but I want to make sure I don't lose my my thought here. But I do find that when we are communicating openly with people about real life, real stuff, and sharing what we're going through, what we've been through, and we're doing it in the right way, Mm. that it's a real source of encouragement to people. That's so good. And vulnerability really is is a huge key for leaders in order for us to earn trust and being authentic so that followers will you know, be willing to follow. And I'm glad you brought this up, but because, I mean, how much is too much? And where's the line and how can we as, as leaders more easily define that line or find that line? Well, the <laughs> defining it, how you define it is actually the key. Yeah. Um, how you define vulnerability. So I think that um, the book 
And the intention of the book is to give some definition and some clarity around vulnerability as, as I'm describing it. And it's not only about how open I am in conversation with my stuff, my life, and so forth. But it's also what I call being willing to make a move when there's no guarantee of the outcome. Mm. And I think that's the real that's the real essential when you back up and you think about making a move. Well, that move can be a move toward you to invite you to church, uh, a move toward you to say, well, you know what? There was a day in my life where I felt exactly like you're feeling right now. Right. Um, or it could be even a move that um, what I call risk exposure. You got a risk exposure sometimes in terms of the decisions you're making before God as a steward of your own life and your own choices. And so when you take all of the different things that people think when we hear the word vulnerability and put some definition to it, I took a swing at it. Yeah. And that was my best one line is to, to help everyone kind of come together around the idea that it's making a move when there's no guarantee of the outcome. Mm, that's so good. You know, whether it's a husband and wife when you're not getting along <laughs> and you make a move to say, um, you know, hey, um, we need to do something. Yeah. Can we get help? Can we have a third party? Would you agree to go get counseling with me? I mean, making a move, making a move. And and those are difficult decisions because of our, our uh, tendency to protect ourselves our tendency to feel overexposed, not wanting to put ourselves out there. Sometimes it's just a matter of pride. Other times it could be things like finances or money. But, you know, any time in life that you're at a point where you are fenced in by fear is what I call it in the book, just getting fenced in by fear. The, the thing that is most needed in that moment is a step. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And willingness to put yourself in a place and in a space where all of those things, those fears you have, you are coming against that fear by making a move, even though there's no guarantee of the outcome. That's so good. That's so good. Okay. So talk to us about, you know, how to establish a, a healthy culture of vulnerability in, in the church, for instance. How, how do you really regularly make sure that there's a healthy culture of openness and honesty and vulnerability without it going too crazy. Yeah. Well, we have to, we definitely have to talk about it and we have to, it's kind of like with the topic of change in a church. If there's, you know, if, if you don't talk about change before you're in one, chances are it won't be a good one. Yeah. So I, I look at vulnerability the same way. And, and that is talking about it. And I would just suggest use, use other words other than just vulnerability. Yeah. Let the word itself, vulnerability, let that be a byproduct of the conversation. One that you just kind of reach in and say the word vulnerability selectively. But I would just say when you're when you're creating this culture in a church that you want to say things like, hey, let's not be people who play it safe. Yeah. You know, um, let's not be people who hide behind, 
you know, the, the wall or the barrier. Let, let's not put mask on. Let, you know, I think you can create a lot of verbiage around and create handles around openness and, and receptivity and words like community. We're right. community. We do life together. Yeah. Um, we, you know, I, I, think, I think when people put effort into it, so we'll say we have a byline that we'll say we're not just a church to attend. We're a community to belong to. So good. That line in and of itself is saying to people, hey, we're not a church to just come and sit and observe and leave. Uh, we are a church where we are community that we actually get connected. Another phrase we would use is that um, it's not about observation. It's about participation. Yeah. Anyone can sit in, you know, in the bleachers, but it takes vulnerability. It takes openness to get in the game. Yeah. Put yourself out there. That's what that's what Christ wants us to do. That's what he has done for us. Put yourself out there. Move your life forward by making new friends, going to growth track, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, that's so good. All right. So sometimes, you know, when a leader is regularly vulnerable and, and open, it goes too far. Sometimes it breeds a culture of familiarity. So familiarity is going to eat away at honor. It's going to eat away at respect and it can be dangerous to a leader. So how do you guard against, okay, well, I'm balanced between your vulnerability and with, with, you know, guarding it so that familiarity doesn't creep in and erode respect and honor. Yeah, I, I think the the most important decision is that you're going to find a way to risk exposure. Mm. Uh, I, I think that, I, I honestly think that leaders are as criticized for having walls up and protecting themselves as they are for being uh, vulnerable right. or, you know, walls down kind of leader. Right. I just think that maybe we don't hear it as much if the walls are up. <laughs> we, we're not mingling enough to hear that kind of criticism. Yeah, yeah. But I actually think that um, the, the, there's somewhat of a myth in terms of the familiarity aspect of it. Um, having said that, go back to what I said earlier when I said, you know, I'm not endorsing getting naked in front of everyone yeah. or naked with everyone. I, I think just that we're not endorsing or encouraging too much information in the wrong setting right? or too much information with the wrong people. Right. But when you start being aware of the idea that, you know what, I, I can share a little more than I do. And you start to ease out into spaces of conversation. You start to put it in your messages. You start to laugh at yourself. You start allowing, you know, that that part of you. I told a story this past weekend about being on an air a flight last week, and it was just a simple little story um, that there was a there was a noise started happening in the area where I was sitting ah, 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 kind of noise and nobody knew what it was 15 minutes went by a flight attendant came by heard the noise started looking everybody's looking for this noise finally the flight attendant 
And I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm in the meantime, I'm getting annoyed at whatever this is and whoever's doing this. And and the flight attendant finally opens up the baggage across the aisle for me, the baggage uh, compartment above the seats. Yep. And he pops it open and he pulls out my backpack. <laughs> It was it was my iPad, oh. <laughs> and it was making a noise that I mean I wake up to music in the morning. I don't wake up to ah, ah, yeah yeah yeah. I was flying across time zones and all that. I still don't know exactly <laughs> how it happened, but 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 I went on and you know I talked about alarms that we have sometimes in in ourselves that uh, we don't we don't even recognize them as as being false alarms but they really are yeah they there's no reason to be alarmed about for example about giving there's no reason to be alarmed when a pastor talks about money yeah there's no reason to be alarmed about people raising their hands in worship so when i talk about things like that what i'm doing is i'm telling a story that makes me look like a, you know, a, a, a klutz. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of just, I'm getting real with people. It was my iPad and everybody looking at me. And, but you, you know, left out the part where you point at the person beside you and said, that must be your bank. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you're too prideful, my point is you're too worried about, yeah. you know, how impressing people. Um, I just think that's a bigger barrier than a lot of leaders realize and familiarity is probably a concern if you're getting so close to people one or two individuals if you're if you're doing that that's where i would say that principle applies right like if you're having selective two friends three friends and you're you know they're your buddies and you guys kind of have your own inside jokes going on your own in a that that gets a little bit goofy and can create a familiarity with those people, those individuals. That's really unhealthy. Right. Um, so as a leader, I would just say, you know, that make sure that you keep this openness about yourself. You're approachable. Uh, you don't have all the answers. You don't know all the answers. You want conversations. Um, you want interaction. And uh, if you're the smartest person in the room, something's, you know, something's wrong. So make sure that you surround yourself with smart people and, and then don't be, you know, don't be that person who's over in the corner with two or three people whispering right. and letting them in on your deepest, darkest secrets. Just live an open life. And if you, if you do that, um, people are going to really appreciate who you are. That's awesome. It's so good. I, thank you so much for, for writing this book because I think it's a conversation that it needs to happen and for leadership, you know, regardless of whether it's in the church or not, but it, it's something that needs to happen in the church. And I think there's this guarded uh, mentality in a lot of pastors and leaders about being afraid to be vulnerable, and that's restricting our ability to reach. So thank you for taking on this conversation. And it, man, I look, I look forward to reading it, and I know our listeners do as well. Uh, you mentioned about traveling around. I know you travel a lot and and visit churches all over the world. So talk to us about the Big C Church. What are what are you sensing in this time? You know, where is God moving, and where should we as as pastors really focus right now? Well, I, I feel like um, Pastor Kelly. I just feel like we have a we're living in a we're living in a really uh, special time. Yeah, and I would encourage those of you who 
um, lead churches or on leadership teams to really understand that there's a lot going on that we don't know and to look enough like like make sure you recently um, you know things that are emerging with stars and people who are you know it's been a while now that Kanye West has kind of hit the news yeah people are are judging or people have different um, but if you look around like you'll see a lot going on uh, that has to do with the bigger picture of of uh, people being reached and lives being touched and Sunday being a special day and Jesus is King. And however, however phrase, there's a lot of noise that if, if we, if we live too isolated, we're going to miss it. So Mm. having said that, I would just say that Jesus predicted this, the scripture predicts it, that the kingdom of God comes without observation and it, it, it comes like a little leaven in the yeast. And to assume in our minds, you know, that everybody's going to be converted all at once or um, the idea, you know, the idea sometimes we have about a revival in our own town or what that's going to mean in our city um, gets in the way of us really seeing and understanding mm. That there is something going on, and there's a mixing. There's a mixing that is happening um, at the root level system of society right now, yep. where Christians are blending in at universities. They're blending in to the media. They are blending in to Hollywood. They are blending in to politics. They are blending in in a lot of different places and spaces. And oftentimes they're not up, you know, um, on a bandwagon or on the stage, center stage, screaming it out loud. Um, But the sports arena, for example, you just can't hardly get in any of these arenas anymore if you're just observing and not hear the sound of some believers. Yeah, it's true. in, In those spaces and places. And so I would just say for the church, this is our day. Yeah. Like this is our time. And we need to really realize that we are God's plan and that even when we feel like, well, that person or those stars or whatever, maybe they're not in your church or they're not doing. I think just understanding that they are being drawn in to leaders and pastors and there are people that are pastoring people, even sometimes over online ministries or whatever it might be. They are their interest is drawing them in to God's great church and God's great church has these different expressions. Um, but, but nevertheless, it is God's great church. And I would just, I would just say to church leaders that are out there that the more you lean in, the more optimistic you'll become like your awareness goes up and you'll start to realize, wow, I'm a part of something that not only is a lot bigger than I am, but it's, it's growing and there's a movement taking place. And this is God's plan, and it will always be this way straight on to the very end. Like the church is going to gain ground. It's going to move forward. It's going to make progress. Uh, The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, So I I just sense, I guess, in the church at large, a a brand new, fresh awakening of awareness um, as to who we are and to realize, hey, we we really are – 
we really are stewarding something really special yeah. in this season. Uh, and I'm, I'm just glad to be a part of God's church. I'm so thankful to get so to good. be a part of God's so good. I love that. You can hear your passion in that. It is the church's time. Uh, this is going to air on the beginning of January. So what what do you see 2020? The church, what are you excited about 2020 for for the church? It's our time. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think that the, the church is, in 2020, I think we're going to be called more into the lifestyle dynamics of Things like, you know, my book, for example, I write about vulnerability and trying to dig deeper into this attitude that we are making shifts that come take us out of only weekend mindset or Sunday mindset and take us into an attitude of uh, like mindedness um, so that we are. Um, from community to community, city to city, and even nation to nation, there's like we're striking the same note, um, which is a, a, a note of us being God's chosen people, but very much human, and us being the salt and the light of the earth, but very practical, very pragmatic. So I think 2020 is more of us um, and I don't want to, I'm just going to say it for, I'm being vulnerable right now, but I think we're, we're going to blend better um, in terms of our spiritual life and our practical life. Wow. And I think the wisdom that is coming into God's house 2020 and forward is going to be more and more knit together, woven together with marrying up our everyday life with the church and what we do as a church on a mission and the pragmatic dynamics of that. So that actually our cities began to go, these people are real, you know, they're, they're not pretending, (laughs) they're not making things up. And the effectiveness with which we approach society is a, yes, it's still the weekend experience. It's still nothing like the corporate gatherings, but it's also got this element uh, in it to where we actually are bringing everyday uh, example and everyday wisdom, not through our perfection, but through our understanding of how God is in his grace, called us, brought us to where we are, and we are assigned to do something. I, I like to say it like this. I don't mean to run, run on and on here, but I, we're, not, we're not normal and we're not meant to be normal. Yeah. And, and just coming to terms with the idea that normal is a setting on a dryer and it is not who we are as God's people <laughs> and being really, you know, being really at ease with that and comfortable in our place, and in our space. So that's yeah, so good. I'm preaching. I don't mean to be preaching. No, that's, that's awesome. I, I love it. And man, I, I, yeah, I see the same thing. I think it's, it's time for the church to be the church and, and less about attending a church uh, and being, you know, we got to get out of the, the, the bleachers and onto the field and, and playing the game throughout the week and not just on Sunday. So I, I love that. I'm excited about that. Excited about your book as well. And this has been so good. Thank you for doing this. Is there anything that I should have asked, but, but didn't? I would like to say one more thing just yeah. about, about it kind of ties everything together. Um, when I was talking about um, that, that last part of what we have to look forward to, um, the book is really about 
a, it's about a, or I base it on, I should say, I base the book because I didn't like the word vulnerability. Um, and I was challenged by our team to talk about vulnerability a couple of years ago because they're, what they were sharing with me when it comes to felt needs, people want to be vulnerable but don't know how. Right. So when I started trying to, you know, put handles on that, and how do I communicate? How do I personally learn this, this reality, this truth? I came across the Bible story of Saul's daughter, Michael, and David when David danced in the streets. Right. right. And she, she sat in the window. Right. And that parallel or that picture is really what the book is based on. Um, it's based on the fact that you can either be a window watcher or a street dancer. Mm. And when you're a street dancer, you face the potential for criticism from the window watcher. Yeah. Um, and so you're not going to always get it right. And you're always going to, you know, find better ways to do things whenever you risk exposure. But at the end of the day, I think David is that model person that I was referring to when I think about the future of us as a church is because he had the ability to be to be so open in his worship. Yeah. At the same time, he's a he's a lion. He's a lion killer, giant slayer. Yeah. You know. He, he he's he's like this military leader like so he's like this real raw kind of unapologetic guy who just loved God fought for the things of God and yet had this beautiful heart of worship and there were some people who you know hated David and but there was a whole lot of people that loved him because he was able to step into that space yeah. of, of openness and risking exposure and so forth so yeah that's the one thing i, I guess i wanted to try that's to so good. To, is that i do believe that there's a choice being made in this season that we're in yeah. between being window watchers and street dancers and obviously i want to be on the street dancing into things yeah that's so good i love that all right so our listeners are dying to know when is the book available uh, coming out in february coming out february 4th yeah is a release date for it and it's available everywhere. <laughs> that is awesome. Cannot wait. Uh, February 4th. Excited about that. So where can, where can our listeners connect with you on online, get a hold of you, follow what you're doing? Uh, yeah, basically just put my name in, Kevin Gerald. You go to kevingerald.com. You can come to Champion Center, spelled the Canadian way with an with C-N-T-R-E. Whoa. C-E-N-T-R-E. So <laughs> Champions S and then C-E-N-T-R-E. Yeah. Yeah. All one word. And you can find just about everything about us. That's yeah. awesome. And I highly recommend everyone do that. Thank you so much, Pastor Kevin, for, for your time and for sharing with us. We can't wait for your book. And, and thanks for taking on this conversation. It's, it's, uh, it's exciting and much needed. Well, thank you. Real privilege, real honor to be with you guys today. All right. Thank you very much. Bless you. Welcome back. What a great conversation with Pastor Kevin. 
Man, there's so much uh, content in that conversation. It's yes. worth a listen again. But what stood out to you? What was your big takeaway? Sure. Yeah. Like right near the end where he was talking about you can either be a window watcher or you can be a street dancer and talking about just the theme of vulnerability is that you can either stand on the outside and critique everybody that's willing to be vulnerable or you could be the vulnerable person and be out there and be exactly who you're supposed to be. Yeah, I love that analogy. And and David really was a very vulnerable leader, a very, very powerful leader. Yeah. And a great analogy with, you know, him dancing in the street, Michael critiquing him from uh from the window and mm-hmm. and that whole idea is is so true because a lot of insecure leaders uh will critique those who are being vulnerable and, yeah, and right. it's um it, that's not a healthy place to be but no. i'd rather be the street dancer so good man these conversations with <laughs> GoCaster are amazing yeah uh, there's so much content in each conversation that that i, I love so how do how do people join the conversation to join what's going on with GoCast. Sure. Yeah. You can go to uh, iTunes and you can subscribe to GoCast, the podcast, or you can go to the website at gocast.ca. You can also follow along with us on Facebook or on Instagram and join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you and hear your story as well and hear your input. Man, it's it's so good. And we would uh, are excited, really excited about next week's um, uh, podcast. We have a great conversation with my friend, Pastor Danny Green of Skybreak Church in Collins, College Station, Texas. And he's <laughs> an amazing, a, a amazing leader. Say. He's got an awesome, awesome church. And I really, the first time I met Pastor Danny, I was uh, really attracted to to him and his leadership and what he does. He's He's got this father heart that, yeah. that comes across very, very powerfully. And here's an excerpt from my conversation with Pastor Danny Green. We've done probably as many things as anyone else has done, from door hangers to television to mailers to friend days to barbecues after church to radio, television, yard signs. I mean, on and on and on and on. You know, hands down, the best evangelism tool is a person inviting a friend to church. Wow, yeah. Because it is stated time and again, 93% of the people say that if someone they knew invited them to church, they'd probably come. Wow. 93%. You don't have to, you, you don't have to build relational capacity. You're not cold calling, like knocking on a door. It's not, when, when they come with a friend, they already have a connection. They don't feel alone. The number one way to grow the church is get the people just to invite their families and friends to come to church. Can't wait for the next episode with Pastor Danny Green. Thank you again for joining us at GoCast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.